Well, who's excited to be in church today? Come on, make some noise. All right. Awesome. If you're new here, my name's Pete. I serve as the lead pastor, and on behalf of all of our staff, we're just uh, so excited and really honored that you would take some time out of your week to spend it with us. Uh, We truly don't take it for granted, and what God is doing here is a sovereign work. And I also want to take a moment to say hello to our online church family, Uh, whether you're tuning in live or watching this at a later date. I pray that this message uh, encourages you and builds your faith. And I want to share with my church family, you know, we take time, we try to take time each week to address those that are watching on the other side of a screen. But I'm not sure many of us in here realize the the extent of our reach in our online community, which is made possible by people who give financially to support everything that we do here. You know, I recently heard a story and a testimony that um, a couple in Russia found our online stream and they were preparing to flee Russia because they weren't in support of the war that was happening with Ukraine. And anytime you express any kind of dissent against the government, there's some things that might be able to happen. And so they left Russia. They wound up in Buffalo. And two weeks ago, the husband got baptized here. But they found us online. That's awesome. Super cool. But I'm excited for today's message. We're wrapping up this series we've been in for seven weeks now called Doubt It, where we're exploring what it looks like to have faith but still wrestle with some doubts, and for other people, what it's like to not be able to really say that I have any faith because I can't move past my doubts. And I want to let you know that today's message is one, I really believe I've got a word from the Lord for somebody here today, maybe several people, because um, about Wednesday, I had already finished maybe half of my message in the first half of the week, and The Lord kind of redirected me. I started over from scratch on Wednesday because I found a new passage and the Lord started speaking to me. And anytime the Lord kind of changes me midweek, I know that he's got a special word for somebody in the house or maybe somebody watching online. You know, we've we've talked a lot about a bunch of different topics so far in this series. We've talked deconstruction. We've talked about doubts surrounding the resurrection. We've talked about self-doubt. We've talked about... You know, doubts that come from when Christians hurt you. Uh, Last week we talked about science. But what do you do when your doubts come from God himself? When God lets you down? Sometimes the biggest doubts that we wrestle with aren't from philosophical or even scientific reasons. Sometimes they're personal reasons. Deeply personal. Where we once prayed maybe as a a child for our parents to stay together, but despite our most fervent prayers, our parents still got divorced. Or maybe a spouse walked out on you despite you praying and asking God to save your marriage. Or maybe you were praying for a loved one who was sick, and you were believing God for a healing, and God didn't heal them, and they still died. I found out this morning that today is actually bereaved Mother's Day for mothers who've lost children. Maybe you've been there. God, how could you allow this to happen? Maybe there was abuse or trauma in your past and you've asked the question, God, how could you allow bad things like this to happen? Have you ever asked that or ever wondered that before? God, how could you allow this to happen? I want you to know you're not alone. There's some people in the Bible who have felt that way and expressed that as well. You know, in 587 B.C., the Babylonians came in and conquered Jerusalem and deported many of the inhabitants to their land. But they left a few behind to live in some pretty terrible conditions in and around the shattered city. And to express their their deep grief and and frustration over the destruction of their home, they, they wrote some songs that talked about the desolation and the sense of suffering that they were experiencing. And that, those songs are known as the Book of Lamentations in the Bible. Now, we don't really know who wrote the Book of Lamentations, though traditions tell us and many scholars believe that it was Jeremiah, the prophet. There are some similarities between the Book of Jeremiah and the Book of Lamentations, as well as some historical references in Lamentations that make scholars believe that it was Jeremiah who wrote it. But it's really, it gives us a picture of a people of faith trying to put into words their struggle to understand how God could allow this to happen. God, how could you allow the city we love so much 
to be devastated. So I'm going to read a a pretty significant section of chapter 3 of the book of Lamentations, 20 verses, which is more than I normally read, but I want us to sit with this. I want us to feel the depth of the emotion that they are feeling as they're expressing their anger and their grief over the suffering that they're enduring. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3, starting right in verse 1. Jeremiah writes, I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again, all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He's talking about failing health. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. I know there's some people who can relate with that, feeling like God has just completely shut out your prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden me like a bear or he has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. His arrows, he shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with the bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone, and everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Many of you have been there before. I will never forget this awful time. How many of you have ever been through something so soul-crushing that this is kind of how you felt? Anybody ever been there before? I love that the Bible isn't whitewashed. It's not a bunch of pleasantries written by perfect people. It's real. It's raw. It's gritty. It's real people facing real issues, experiencing real pain. And here we have Jeremiah expressing his deep anger and frustration and grief over all of the things that he is saying that God has done or the things that God has not done. He is blaming God for all of the suffering that he's enduring. Many of you have done that before. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen? I love that this is contained in the Bible because this shows us that that expressing anguish over the brokenness we experience and the brokenness we see in our fallen world is a legitimate part of the biblical narrative. Lamenting is a valid response to our pain. That's why it's called the book of Lamentations. It's a form of, of prayer where you're just pouring out your sorrow to God. It's a valid response when we go through hard things. So the first thing I want to show you about this passage is that it is okay to tell God how you really feel. It's okay. A lot of times I think we need to kind of sanitize and tone down what's really going on in our heart when we, when we approach God in prayer. Well, I can't say that because that God would maybe strike me dead if I was honest about how I really feel. No, this shows it's okay to be raw and unfiltered. It's okay to vent your frustrations. It's okay to tell God how you really feel. It's okay to tell him how angry you are. He knows anyway. Why would you try to hide it from him? Like, let him have it. He he is big enough to handle our doubt, our anger, our fear, our frustration. And as you do, I want us to remember that even Jesus experienced this too. Jesus went through some hard stuff that made him question whether God was with him. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends and sold for 30 pieces of silver. In the Garden of Gethsemane, 
He told his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he prayed, God, if there is any way for this cup to be taken from me, please take it from me. I don't want to do this. He was under such intense mental pressure that the capillaries in his forehead burst, causing him to sweat drops of blood. He was handed over to the authorities where all of his disciples abandoned him. All of his closest friends left. He was alone. He was whipped and beaten, forced to carry the crossbeam of his cross up Golgotha, up Calvary's hill, where he was then nailed to a cross to pay for your sin and mine. And while on the cross, Matthew's gospel tells us in chapter 27, that from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. And that phrase, cried out in a loud voice, in the original language, literally means screamed. Jesus literally screamed, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was fully God, but also fully man. And here he quotes Psalm 22, verse 1, to let us know that he can identify and relate with the feeling of being rejected and abandoned by God. That word forsaken in the original language means rejected, deserted, or abandoned. Jesus, as a human, was, was crying out, saying, I feel like you have abandoned me, God. Where have you gone? And many of us can relate with that, too. It's painful when you feel rejected. It's painful when you feel abandoned. Many of us can relate with that. Maybe a spouse walked out on you, ripped your heart out. Maybe it was a parent when you were a child or a teen. Parents got divorced, one of them left and never called again. You felt completely rejected as a child. Why wouldn't dad want to talk to me? Why doesn't he want relationship with me? Maybe it was a girlfriend or a boyfriend, maybe a close friend. I don't know if it was a coworker or an employee or an employer that left you high and dry. How many of you can relate with the feeling of being rejected by somebody? It hurts, doesn't it? it hurts deeply. How many of you know it hurts even more when it feels like God is the one that's rejected you? There's no feeling in the world like the one that is supposed to love you and be there for you and care for you and help you has completely abandoned you. When you're crying out, God, where are you? Do you even, do you see what I'm going through here? Do you hear my prayer? Are you even real? God, where are you in the middle of my pain? Many of us have asked that question before, and maybe that's how you feel today. God, where are you? There's two times in my life where I, have, I can identify and relate with this feeling of being rejected or abandoned by God. The first was when my father passed away at 46 years old when I was 21, and despite me praying for his healing and, and thinking that God had given me a word that he was gonna heal my father, he didn't, and my dad passed, and I felt completely rejected by God. But then four years later, the second time I experienced this was when my first wife just walked out on the marriage, which hurt even worse than when my dad died because my dad didn't choose to die. Cancer took him. But with the divorce, she chose to walk away. And I was left with this, like, what is so undesirable and unlovable about me that she would not want to be married to me anymore. And Now listen, I, I know it takes two to make a marriage work and, and two to make a marriage fail, so I'm not saying it was all on her. There were things that I did and didn't do that contributed to the marriage failing, but I remember in the months after she left, crying out to God every single night, God, please bring my wife back to me. I cried myself to sleep every night for months, asking God, like, 
I'm trying to have faith here. I'm, and you said if I, I prayed and believed that you would do anything according to your, your name, your will, like, God, where are you? And she never came back. And it went from feeling like not only had my wife rejected me, but now God had rejected me. Felt completely abandoned, completely alone. And whenever people feel abandoned by God, here's some of the things that can happen. We stop going to life group. We stop serving at church. Stop going to church altogether. Stop reading our Bible. We stop praying. Instead of running toward God, we run away from God. And the more isolated we become, the more abandoned we feel. And the more abandoned we feel, the angrier we get at God. We can even wind up cursing God, questioning his very existence. God, I'm not sure you're even real. Maybe I've been believing a lie my whole life. And even if you are real, I'm pretty sure you're not good because there's no way a good and loving God would allow me to go through this level and depth of pain and suffering. So for the next few moments, what I want to do today is, is try and offer you some more helpful ways to think about and respond to seasons where you feel like God has abandoned you. I want to go back to Jeremiah and Lamentations because after 20 verses of him just pouring his guts out, blaming God for all of the things and that they have experienced, all the suffering that he feels, watch the shift that he makes in verse 21. It's a very intentional shift. He says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, when I call to mind this, that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. When I choose to remember the faithful love of God, hope begins to stir in my spirit again. When you feel abandoned by God, I wanna encourage you to remind yourself that God loves you and he is with you. Remember what we learned a few weeks ago, that truth is not internal or fluid. Truth is external and fixed. So no matter what I feel like on the inside, no matter whether I feel like God has abandoned me or not, my feelings don't determine what is true. God's word determines what is true. And his word says that he has loved me with an everlasting love and he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Remind, you gotta choose to remember that no matter what I feel like right now, I know the truth is that my God loves me. He is for me. He is not against me. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, I could add, neither trial or tragedy, neither sickness or divorce, nor anything else that you will ever face in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing that you will ever face in this life, no amount of suffering that you could ever walk through will ever be able to separate you from God's love. He loves you. You gotta remind yourself of that. And then remind yourself that he is with you. Jesus promised before he left this earth in Matthew chapter 28, he says, remember that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he said, remember, because there's going to be times where you forget, where you're going to be in the middle of something, where you forget, and you got to remember that I am with you. No matter what you feel like, I'm with you always. No matter how far away he might feel from you right now, God is with you. No matter how lonely you feel, God is with you. No matter how abandoned you feel, God is with you. No matter how hard it is right now, God is with you. I know it might be confusing, but God is with you. You are not alone. He has not abandoned you. He is with you always. And because God is with you, you can be confident that the season you're in is just part of your story, not the entire story. I know when you're in the midst of a dark season, it can feel like that's all you see and it feels like you're never, like that's all you're ever gonna know. Like am I ever gonna, am I gonna live past this? Or is this just gonna be the way I feel for the rest of my life. But if we go back to Jesus on the cross, feeling abandoned by God, we know that the cross was just part of the story. 
It wasn't the whole story. Right, there was purpose in the pain that he endured because three days later, he walked out of the tomb and then after that, he ascended to the Father where he sat down at the right hand of the one that he thought had abandoned him. And he is seated there right now praying for you and me as we walk through seasons where we question whether or not he has forsaken us. When you feel abandoned by God, remind yourself that he loves you that he's with you, and because he's with you, you've got the creator of the universe fighting your battles. This season will not be your end. If you're not dead, God's not done. Some of you, you just need to take that statement home with you today. Write it on your bathroom mirror, and maybe that will be the thing that gets you through the season. If you're not dead, God's not done. If I still got breath in my lungs, there is still hope for God to redeem and restore my situation. See, we can't see the whole story that God is writing. What you're going through is just a chapter of your life. It is not the whole book. Don't let one chapter define the rest of your life. God is with you. When I look back at the challenging seasons of my life, when my dad died and when I walked through that divorce, in the moment it felt like this this is my life. I couldn't see past my pain, but in hindsight, it's amazing what a little bit of time and distance will do. Right, 20 years removed from that, I can realize, man, that was just a season. That was just a chapter of my life. But the chapters that God has written since then have been pretty stinking fantastic. God loves me and he is with me. There has never been a day in my life that he has not been with me, even when it didn't feel like he was. Just hold on. Your story's not finished yet. And yet we want to ask, but why, God? Why do I have to go through this? Why this pain? Why this suffering? Why me? Why this long? How long, God? Why, 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 why? Isn't that the question we always want to ask when we walk through seasons like this? Why? Can I challenge you today? Can I encourage you when you're walking through hell to turn your why questions into what questions? Turn your why questions into what questions. When you're facing a difficult chapter or season of your life and it feels like God has forsaken you, that he's not with you, instead of asking why God, why me, why this, why that, I wanna encourage you to ask three what questions. The first one is, God, what do you wanna teach me? Ask God, what do you wanna teach me? Because pain is a very effective teaching tool. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says about what Jesus himself learned through pain. Hebrews 5.8, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus learned obedience from being betrayed. He learned obedience from being whipped and tortured. He learned obedience from the things he suffered while on the cross, the things that made him feel abandoned by God. He screamed, why have you forsaken me? God's not afraid of your why questions, but understand that the why question didn't cause Jesus to come down from the cross. He stayed on the cross because he knew the what. The what was to save humanity and to pay the price for their sins. He had to learn that. He was taught that. So whenever you're going through in a difficult season, it's important to ask what and not just why. God, what are you trying to teach me? Because if we don't ask what, we wind up questioning God's character, maybe his existence, his goodness, his love, his promises. Asking what postures our heart to lean in towards the things that there are to learn. Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered. What do you need to learn from the things that you suffer? What do I need to learn? God, what are you trying to teach me? The next thing, ask, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in me? Great example of this is the Apostle Paul who suffered a lot of things. Shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, imprisoned multiple times. But one of the seasons of suffering that he walked through, he refers to as a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians. I want you to look at it with me. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Now scholars don't really know what the thorn in the flesh was. Some Assume or guess that it might have been failing eyesight. Some think it might have been other, some kind of physical ailment or, or, or malady or sickness. 
Um, other people maybe think that it was more uh, spiritual in nature, but he never really identifies what the thorn in the flesh is, but he says, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, but he didn't. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God allowed the thorn in the flesh to remain for Paul because God was trying to do something in Paul. He was trying to keep him from becoming too conceited and too proud from all of the revelations that God was giving him. He was doing something in Paul. So when you're going through suffering, ask God, what are you wanting to do in me? Is there something that you're trying to remove from me or is there something you're trying to put in me? Paul also wrote in Romans 5, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And is there any attribute more needed in today's Christian culture than endurance? Like so many people, just the first sign of hardship or opposition, they're like, I'm done with this, this is too hard. I'm out. No, like these trials, these tribulations develop endurance in us and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. God's trying to do something in you through this season of suffering that is making you wonder whether he has forsaken you. So ask God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to do in me? And then lastly, what do you want to do through me? Because I got news for you. The thing you're going through isn't only about you. It's about the people around you and what God wants to do through you as you walk through your suffering to speak to them. God always has a purpose in pain. On Jesus' worst day ever, the day he felt rejected and abandoned by his father, he paid the sin debt for all of mankind. And today we can sit here 2,000 years later and rejoice over the fact that our sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. And we have been restored to a relationship with our father. Jesus trusted his father's plan. He knew that he was doing through something through him, reconciling mankind back to himself. Jesus' pain had a purpose. God was doing something through him. Paul's pain had a purpose. God was doing something through him. Through Paul's suffering, the gospel was able to be proclaimed to the entire known world. He wrote half of the New Testament, many of those letters being written from prison. It was about what God was doing through Paul as he walked through suffering. So what does God want to do through you as you walk through suffering? When you feel abandoned by God, it's never just about you. It's about what he wants to do in you and through you. Oftentimes our greatest pain God uses as our launching pad for our greatest calling. Sometimes our greatest ministry comes from our greatest misery. What do you want to do through me? But that's not always easy to see, is it? When you're in the middle of pain. Sometimes you can't, you're just so clouded by anger and hurt and pain, you can't really tell what God's doing in you or what he's wanting to do through you. If that's the case, I want to encourage you with another thought. When you can't trace God's hand, trust God's heart. God's purpose is not always clear when we're walking through pain. When you can't trace his hand, when you don't know what he's doing, when you can't see the purpose, trust his heart. Trust his character, his nature, which has never changed. I might feel alone, but I know I'm not alone because he told me that he will never leave me. I know he loves me. My God is for me. He is not against me. When you're going through dark days, it's important to remember the fact that Jesus is not and has never been powerless. The Jesus we serve has power, has so much power, in fact, that when he was on the cross, he could have, if he wanted to, Asked the Father or called for a legion of angels to come and rescue him. He told the disciples that in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came to arrest him. He's, he told Peter to put his sword away. He's like, don't you know that if I wanted to, I could call a legion of angels right now. They would obliterate everybody here. But no, Jesus chose to stay because he trusted his Father's plan. I want you to catch this. He goes from saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then turns right around in Luke 22 or 23 tells us that he cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And with that, he breathed his last. So he goes from saying, God, why have you forsaken me to God into your hands? I commit my spirit. What a beautiful and powerful statement of trust. And Jesus is our example. God, I feel abandoned by you, but I still trust you. God, this hurts like hell, but I still trust you. God, they're hurting me. I don't want to go through this, but I still trust you. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. When you can't trace God's hand, trust his heart. Know that his character has never, ever, ever changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can trust that his heart is for you. He is not against you. A lot of times when we walk through things that make us feel abandoned by God, our first instinct is to either question God's existence, I'm not even sure you're real, God, or we question his character. If you are real, I'm not sure you're good, right? And we lose our trust in God. Can I encourage you to not let a bad day or a bad season or a painful experience cause you to lose your trust in God? Take your cue from Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We need endurance to go through these painful seasons that cause us to question whether God is with us, whether he sees us, whether he's abandoned us. Trust his heart. He's for you. After you remind yourself of God's love and you turn your why questions into what questions, one of the ways that we can learn to trust God's heart, even when we can't trace his hand, is to preach yourself hopeful. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Preach, to you, preach yourself hopeful. I want to go back to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 to 24. Jeremiah says, yet I dare, I still dare to hope when I remember this. What do I remember? The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. But then look, verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. I will hope in him. Sometimes the things that we call to mind and we remember about the character and nature of God then have to come out of our mouth and we gotta preach to ourselves: God is my rock, he is my shepherd, he is my provider, he will never leave me, he will never forsake me. I might feel abandoned by God right now, but I'm gonna speak and declare the promises of God over my life. He is my inheritance. I will put my hope in him. My faith is weak right now, but I'm gonna build it up by speaking and declaring the love of God, the faithfulness of God, and the promises of God over my life. We gotta build your faith up. Why, because faith comes by hearing. See, one of the things that the devil is after you after is your faith. When Peter and Jesus were talking, he said, Jesus told Peter, this was right before everything went down. He, he said, Peter, I, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. What did Jesus say? But I have prayed for you that your what? That your faith would not fail. The devil wants your faith to fail. Devil wants your faith to fail. But you gotta build your faith up. Faith comes by hearing, but not hearing anything. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. There is power when your own ears hear your voice speaking and declaring the truth and the promises of God over your life. That's how faith is built. When you hear the word of God spoken, I will say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what's happening around me. I will put my hope in him. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, no matter how many promises God has made, and y'all, there are a lot of promises written in his word. No matter how many promises God has made, Paul says, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, he says, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen means yes or let it be. Let it be so. That's why it's important when you hear something preached that you agree with, you say, amen. Yes, let that be so in my life. So you all need to talk back a little bit more when you're in church. You don't need to be quiet. No, like I, I, want, I want a loud audience. Say amen. Let it be so. We turn our trust in God up 
when we say amen at hearing the promises of God. What Paul is saying here is when you're reading a scripture and you see a promise that God has made, if you're a believer, you can claim that promise as your own, knowing that it has been fulfilled in Christ. And so I say yes and amen. Let that be so in my life. And so what I want to do as we get ready to close here is I want to read some promises over you. And after each one, I want you to say with conviction, amen. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Amen. Thank you, God, that you are always with me. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Amen. Thank you, God, that you turn what the enemy meant for evil and you will turn it for good in my life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Amen. Thank you, God, that nothing is too difficult for you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, uh, Paul says that when we are anxious in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and what will happen? The peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesus, thank you for your peace when I am anxious. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet, not some, he will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, God, that you are my provider. And then we'll end where we started in Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. Amen and amen and amen. You got to preach yourself hopeful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's character has never changed. It has never wavered. Nothing you've ever walked through has changed who he is or his disposition towards you. He is for you. He is not against you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. And Jesus can relate with everything you've been through because he was a human who walked this earth and he can relate with our suffering. In fact, he went to the cross and everything that has caused the suffering you're experiencing was placed on him. So there is nothing that you have ever felt that Jesus didn't feel on the cross. Because all the sin and all the brokenness that has caused that feeling of abandonment was caused by sin and Jesus took all the sin that has ever been committed on himself on the cross he knows what you're feeling he paid for it and though you like he might feel like God has abandoned you he has promised that he will never leave you and never forsake you final thought I want to leave with you today might be the most comforting and probably the most important to keep in mind when you're walking through a season like this. I want to leave you with this thought. When you're walking through hell, you have to keep an eternal perspective. You have to live with an eternal perspective. If you lose sight of the fact, if you think that this life is all that there is, if you lose sight of the fact that there is more to this life than this life, I promise you, doubt and discouragement will swallow you whole. If you forget about the fact that there is something after this life, that there is a reward that we are living this life to receive from our Heavenly Father, if you forget about that, then, then man, the doubt will eat you alive. But if you remember that there is coming a day when he will wipe away every single tear from your eye and you will never again wonder why God or where are you God because we will literally physically be in his presence for the rest of eternity. Man, if you keep that in perspective, you'll have the faith to go through anything. You have to keep an eternal perspective. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter four about this. He says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. I love how he contrasts light and momentary with eternal weightiness of glory. 
And some of you would say, man, what I'm going through, there's no way it's light. It doesn't feel very light. It feels pretty heavy. But Paul is saying when you compare it to the weight of glory that is being produced for you because of what you're going through here, it is definitely light and it is momentary. And so as a result, he tells us, verse 18, so we don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. What we see right now, what you're going through right now, it's not going to last forever. This too shall pass. But what is unseen is eternal. It will last forever. This tells me the greater the suffering, the greater your eternal reward. Or should I say the greater your faithfulness and trust as you walk through suffering, the greater your eternal reward will be when you walk into heaven. Because it's producing for you. The affliction that you walk through, the suffering that you walk through in this earth is producing for you your eternal reward. This weight of glory that God is going to bestow on you when you walk into his presence. Hold on. That's how you respond to suffering. That's how you respond to the things that happen that make you wonder, God, where are you? Have you abandoned me? It's okay to tell God how you really feel. But at some point, you got to choose to remind yourself that God is with me and that he loves me. And then turn your why questions into what questions. God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do in me? And what are you wanting to do through me? Who in my life are you trying to speak to and reach and touch through what you're doing in my life as I walk through this suffering? And when you can't see that, when you can't trace God's hand, trust his heart. He's unchanging. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He loves you. Trust his heart. And begin to preach yourself hopeful. You speak and declare the promises of God over your life, even when you don't feel it, even though nothing in your circumstances agrees with what you're speaking and declaring over your life. Hope begins to stir. And yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. I will put my hope in him. And above all, keep an eternal perspective. Realize there is a day coming when you will see Jesus face to face that what I want to hear more than anything else is well done my good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your rest where we can rest from all the pain, all the striving, all the hurting, all the heartache. Let me pray for us today. God, I know this is a really heavy and weighty topic. But I'm thankful for the hope that's contained in your word. I'm thankful for the hope of the gospel. The good news that Jesus took upon himself every single sin that has contributed to the brokenness we experience. Lord, I pray that you'd rekindle hope in the hearts of your people today. I want to pray for two specific groups of people, those of you who are here today. And either you or someone you know or, or that you love that's close to you is walking through a season like I just described today where you're wondering if God has completely abandoned you and you just, you just need some hope, you need some encouragement. Is there anybody here, if, you, if that's you, raise your hand. If you or someone you know or love is walking through a season like that and you just need your faith to be built up today, hands all across this place, all across this place, I wanna pray for you right now. God, I pray for every single one of my brothers and sisters right now who are walking through a season that has them questioning the very essence of your character, that you are omnipresent, that you are everywhere all at once, that you are always with us. But God, the pain that they are experiencing right now is, is powerful in that it is influencing and shaping what they think about you. And so God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come to them right where they're at 
and would comfort them. God, I pray for comfort first and foremost. That you would whisper to them, I'm still here. I'm with you. I know it's hard, but don't give up. I'm with you. Comfort them, Lord. And I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage in the face of their pain and their sorrow to begin preaching to themselves, Lord, that they would remind themselves of the truth of your word, that you are God and not a man that you should lie. You are faithful. Your faithfulness goes from generation to generation to generation, that you have loved them with an everlasting love. You've promised to never leave them and never forsake them. May they be convinced of that truth, even though their circumstances may not change today or tomorrow or next month or next year. Build their faith, Lord. Help them to keep eternity in mind, just like Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, Lord. Keep the joy of a reunion with you at the forefront of their mind so they can endure this hell they're walking through right now. the next group of people I want to pray for, those of you that, I don't know if you're new here, I don't know if you've been coming for weeks or months, but you've been exploring faith, but you've never taken a step to put your faith in Jesus because of what we talked about today. Because you experienced something in your life that caused you to question, there's no way that a loving God would ever allow this, this amount of pain and suffering. But maybe you're coming to grips with the fact this morning that none of us are exempt from going through trial or tragedy. All the brokenness we walk through in this world is the effect of sin. And no one is untouched by that. And so if you're here today and you're feeling that tugging on your heart, what that is, is that's a Holy Spirit letting you know that He has been pursuing you your whole life and He wants relationship with you. And scripture says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. God will welcome you into his family and he'll place his Holy Spirit in you to give you the strength and the power to endure and press through the hard stuff knowing that there is a reward being produced for you. If you're ready to take that step and make that decision with all heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just boldly raise your hand in the room today so I can pray for you? I see that hand in the center here. God bless you, ma'am. I see that hand over there on the left, that hand over there on the side. Is there anybody else here today? If you're watching online, you click the link in the comment section right now. Say, yes, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I see that hand on the left over here. God bless you. Church, I don't want anybody praying alone, so will you join those who are responding to the Holy Spirit's prompting right now? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Jesus, thank you for taking my sin upon you. Forgive me, Lord, for doubting you. I turn from my old life, and I choose from this day forward to follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to serve you and follow you and trust your heart even when I can't trace your hand. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd seal this work in their hearts right now. When they walk out of these doors in a couple minutes, God, I pray that you would not allow the evil one to, to come and, and steal away that seed that was planted, but, Lord, that you'd continue to cultivate the soil of their hearts to let that seed plant itself deeply and begin to take roots so that it will produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Lord, that their lives will begin to change as they continue to take next steps in following after you. Fill them with your spirit, I pray, God. Surround them with other believers that will encourage them and help them to grow in their understanding of what it looks like to follow you and to trust in you. God, I thank you once again for the hope of the gospel. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for your unchanging nature. 
And I thank you for the promise of eternity. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, church. Come on, you put our hands together and make some noise. Come on, you can do better than that. It says the angels in heaven are throwing a party right now when one sinner comes to repentance. So we join with the angels in heaven who are rejoicing with those who have placed their faith in Jesus. If that was you, can I just be the first one to congratulate you on the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life? And welcome to the family of God. You're our brother, you're our sister in the Lord, and you're now a part of a family that is cheering you on. We wanna come alongside of you and and help you journey down this path now. Because that prayer, that decision was just the first step of a lifetime of steps to come as you grow closer and closer to Jesus. And so if I could ask you to do me a favor, if you did say yes to Jesus a moment ago, can you grab the green I've decided card out of the seat back pocket in front of you? And just take a second to check the box on the back side that indicates the decision you just made. And on your way out, please, don't skip the step. We want to come alongside of you and help you. Take that card through the lobby into the foyer, hand it to one of our Next Step team members that would love to put some resources in your hand and congratulate you, get to know you a little bit, and suggest some next steps that you may want to consider taking as a follower of Jesus. We're excited for you. I'm excited for the growth that's going to happen as you continue on this journey. Welcome to the family of God. As our dream team members now get into position to serve you with excellence on your way out, I always want to remind anyone that if there is something that's still heavy on your heart or you would like prayer or ministry for anything, our prayer team is always available in the back right corner of the room that would love to just agree with you in prayer and ask God to move in whatever situation you're experiencing right now. It would be an honor to do that. I love you so much, church. I hope this series has built your faith and and built your hope in Jesus. We're going to start a new series next week. You're not going to want to miss it. I love you. Have a great week. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday.